So we're going to talk tonight about resurrection power. And we are going to continue in the foundation series. Um, so what I want to do real quick is before we get to the resurrection of the dead, I want to go through and lay down each layer at a time because they are supposed to go that way. We're going to look at each layer at a time because one comes before the other. So before we get to our main message tonight, I just want to quickly recap everything that we've been studying for these past weeks on the foundation series. So it all starts in Psalm 11, chapter 3. It says, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? And if we don't have a foundation, the answer to that question is we don't know what we'll do. Our reaction certainly isn't going to be predictable, and it's probably most likely not going to be godly or honor the finished work of the cross and honor Jesus at all. So as Christians, as believers, it's really important that we have a solid foundation, that we're firm, because you can't build on a sponge. So we can't be soft, we have to be firm. So our foundation is very important. And the reason that it's so important is because that we're in this world, but we're not of it. As believers, as children of God, we are not citizens of this world. This is not our home. We are just travelers in a foreign land as ambassadors to reconcile those that need to know God back to him and bring them into his family. So it's important that we understand what's really going on. So what are we doing with these foundations? What we're doing is we're learning to live from a new position. We're learning to live how to, how to operate at a different level. We're learning to think with a kingdom mindset and then we're growing to understand what that means. So the new birth, the new birth when we're born again, it's instantaneous. Spiritual life, our new spiritual life that happens because of the resurrection of Jesus, which we're gonna talk about tonight, that happens in a flash, in a moment. However, the process that we go through to grow and develop into that image, to move from who we thought we were, from being lost without God and without hope in the world, to understanding now who we are as children of God who have been given all power and authority from heaven, that's, that's a process. There's a, there's a ways that we have to go. There's a distance that we have to travel. And God's with us every step of the way. And it all starts with Jesus, the cornerstone, because Jesus makes all things new. And in John chapter 1, verse 14, it says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory, glory as of the one and only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified about Him and cried out, saying, This is He whom I said, He who comes after me and has a higher rank than I, for He existed before me. Here's the part I really love. For of His fullness we have all received and grace upon grace for the law was given through Moses but grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ I love the language there for of his fullness we have all received what have we all received we received his fullness which was full of grace and truth so what is grace we talked about this weeks ago grace is the empowering presence of God that enables us to be like Jesus if we're gonna be like Jesus and represent Jesus in the world we need God's grace. We can't do it without it. So let's say, what's in your wallet? Capital Venture Commercials, anyway. So, grace is the empowering presence of God that enables us to be like Jesus. Truth. Truth is the perspective of God that establishes 
who we are in Jesus. So Jesus was full of grace and truth, therefore we're full of grace and truth. So the foundations, Hebrews chapter six, verses one through two. So we're building these principles upon the foundation of Jesus, the cornerstone, which is grace and truth. It says, therefore leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, I love how the Message Bible puts it. It puts, we're not gonna do any more finger painting. We're gonna move on to the grand work of art. I, I love that idea. Let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, faith toward God, and of the doctrine of baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. So repentance from dead works, we talked about how important it was to turn from acts that make us think that we're gonna get God's approval. So remember how we talked about how Jesus Everything that he was gonna accomplish, or did accomplish, before he even accomplished a single thing, God says, here is my son in whom I am well pleased. So Jesus, who accomplished more than any of us individually could ever do, God said he was pleased and approved with him before he did a thing. The same is with us. God approves us, he's pleased with us, so anything that we do in an effort to get his approval is a dead work. And in repentance, it's more important what we turn to than what we turn from. We're always turning to God and we're turning away from our sin, but if we simply just to turn away from our sin, we're gonna find something else to set our gaze upon if it's not God. So again, it's more important what we turn to than what we turn from. We talked about faith toward God. Pastor Bernie did three messages on faith toward God. If you missed those, I encourage you to pick them up. So faith toward God is having a belief and a trust in God that he is who he says he is, that he can do what he says he can do, and that we are who he says we are. Doctrine of baptisms, we talked about being baptized into Christ, we talked about being baptized in the body of Christ, we talked about water baptism, we talked about baptism in the Holy Spirit, and we talked about baptism in sufferings. So we talked about all the baptisms or immersions, and all of those are simply just introductions from God to us as his children to help us walk out this life in the kingdom. So it's kind of like the welcome to the kingdom banner that God lays out for us. So now we get to resurrection of the dead, and next week we're gonna talk about eternal judgment. Um, so next week I'm gonna give my best impression of Russell Crowe from Gladiator. So come next week to hear that. But for now, we're gonna talk about resurrection of the dead and resurrection power, how it affects us now, and how it affects us through eternity. There is no salvation without the resurrection. The resurrection is essential to the new birth. Romans chapter 10 verse nine says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. A person must confess the resurrection of Jesus Christ to be saved. Now, as crucial as it was to the plan of salvation, the cross did not signal the beginning of new life for believers. We've got a cross here at the back of the worship center. We've got a cross outside in the atrium. We've got crosses everywhere. I've seen crosses on people's shirts. People wear them. They're on armbands. I love the cross. It represents the power of God unto salvation. It represents the price paid for our redemption. It's a symbol of the sacrifice and the obedience of our Lord Jesus. However, it's the empty tomb that symbolizes our actual victory. I wish I had those symbols. It's hard to, I mean, how do you make a, the cross is easy to make. You know, you can see that cross, it's easy to make and, and hang up or, or wear as a bracelet, as a necklace, whatever. It's on the front of our Bibles. But what does an empty tomb look like? You can't really, that doesn't really make a good marketable necklace. 
You know, I can imagine the crusaders running around with shields that had an empty tomb. They were, well, what's that? You know, it wasn't recognizable. But for us as believers, it should be recognizable. It should be something that we're imagining every day because it's that empty grave, it's that empty tomb. He's not there anymore. That is the power of the resurrection. So I'm gonna say, I'm gonna read this verse from Ephesians, but as I'm reading this, I want you to get your hearts ready because I'm also praying this over you at the same time. So here's where I really want you to strap in because as we talk about the resurrection, it's a subject that I really love. It really gets me all excited. I might start talking fast. So I really need you to be engaged and just to, to, to hang on. Because if I get in that mode, you just wave your hand and I'll try to slow it down. Because this is, this is a really exciting subject for me. One of my most exciting in the Bible. And I say that just because I'm preaching it now. It's kind of like if you ask a race car driver which his favorite track is, whatever one's coming up that weekend. So if you ask me what my favorite subject is, right now it's resurrection. So Ephesians chapter one. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. I want to stop that one right there and bookmark that. It's verses like that, that literally you could light a fuse and I would shoot into the stratosphere like a rocket. That is exciting. If that doesn't get you excited, I don't know what's wrong with you. That right there is just pure, unadulterated truth about who you are in God's kingdom. You were dead, now you're alive. The same, listen, the resurrection of Jesus Christ was the ultimate display of God's unparalleled power. It is the consummation of everything that he had planned in the work of redemption. All throughout the Bible, everything that you read about his power, it was all about this moment. It's sort of like if you took all the cars that are on the earth right now and all the cars that ever existed and all the cars that will ever exist. Let's say all those cars simultaneously at once all have dead batteries and they need to be jumped. That's what it looks like when God exerted his might to resurrect Jesus because when he raised Jesus, he raised us all. Past, present, future. That's power. It was no simple act. He exerted an immense amount of power and put it on display. In fact, the resurrection was a triumphant victory over the devil and demonic powers. It talks about in Colossians how Jesus stripped the enemy of all power and authority. So it's like if you picture the enemy as a roaring lion, right? You take that roaring lion, you take off his claws, you shave him completely down, and then you drag him through the streets. That is what Satan looks like right now. He is pathetic, he is defeated, he is a liar. And Jesus made a show of him and his cohorts and all of demonic powers, he made a show of them openly through the resurrection. Continuing in Ephesians, verse 21, it says, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. So not only are we saved by the resurrection, we're empowered by the resurrection in this age. 
were eternally sealed by the resurrection for the age to come. So there's two ages. There's the realm that we're living in right now, and then there's eternity, which we're gonna talk about next week. And the resurrection has a huge significance in each one of those ages. And I recommend, give you some homework. Read 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 is fascinating because Paul's writing this letter to the church at Corinth. And the church at Corinth was pretty much like the church of Las Vegas. They were immoral, they were bad. They were just, they're out there. So he's writing this letter to them to convince them that there is a resurrection because the Greek mind did not buy into the fact of the resurrection from the dead. They didn't get it. So he has to state his case. And in 1 Corinthians 15, you have Paul stating his case to these Corinthians. And the Corinthians was, the church at Corinth was so bad. Paul sent Apollos there to pastor, he didn't make it. Then he sent Timothy there to pastor, they kicked him out. So he had to send Titus. And Titus, this dude was hardcore. Titus was Paul's fixer. Titus could go into a church and he whipped that place into shape. So then he sends Titus and Titus finally gets the Corinthians into shape. So 1 Corinthians 15 just gives a beautiful story of, of how the whole resurrection comes into play in our faith. So in the beginning, Adam and Eve, they're created perfect, right? There's no sin, there's no death. They walk with God in the cool of the day. Things are perfect. You like my Dan Steve impression? So things are great. And then they ruined it because that serpent, that weasel, the one I hate with every fiber of my being, comes in there with his lies and questions God's goodness, deceives them, and gets them to die spiritually. So what happens whenever Eve takes the bite of that apple and Adam does the same, they die. They don't die physically. Spiritual death always precedes physical death. So they died spiritually. So Every one of us, we are a spirit. We have a soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions, and we live in a body. So what happens is they died spiritually. So now the only thing that they know is the information they're getting through their five senses. Now they are interacting with the world purely from the sin nature. They're separated from God. So the sin nature gets implanted into that physical body. You and I, all of us sitting here today, even the most holy person who is most disciplined in their behavior, we still have evil desires lurking in our members, warring against what we really want to do as children of God. And that's the battle that we face every day, and that is the final victory that Jesus will enforce. But we get to do some of it right now while we're alive, which is awesome. So spirit, soul, and body. So how the resurrection plays into that is, when Jesus was raised from the dead, we were all justified. And that happens as a complete work of God. We don't have anything to do with it. We're justified. Our spirits are made perfect. It's done. And then there's the process of what the Bible calls sanctification. Now sanctification applies to the soul. Because when we're born again, we get that perfect spirit. Things are great. We're going to heaven. We got our ticket. We have to appropriate Christ's victory partnering with the Holy Spirit, and we have to sanctify our souls. And then we have our body. And the Bible talks about glorification. So at some point, our bodies are going to experience glorification, which when that's mentioned in the Bible, that means the resurrection of the body. So we're gonna get perfect bodies one day. 
that aren't made of physical matter. They're spiritual bodies, which that's cool. I hope to be a little bit taller. Y'all laugh, but I, 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 I constantly see tall people, and I wonder what it's like to, with, from, with the view from up there. This cool. I'm good. So justification is now. Sanctification, we're in the process. And glorification is the future. Now, real quick, before I get to my next verse, I want to clarify. Jesus is the only person that has been resurrected. There have been people raised from the dead, but they died again. Jesus is the only one that has been resurrected and still lives in that body. And the Bible says that he is the first fruits, the example of what we're going to experience. So it says it like this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a shout of command, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will suddenly be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. So you're going to have the resurrection of the dead in Christ. Okay? Which isn't any of you because you're sitting here looking at me and listening. Okay? So you're not dead in Christ. And then you're going to have the transformation of those of us who are still here. And I always find it funny. Any of your biblical writers or anybody that's actually living, they always think that they're the generation that's not going to see death. Maybe we won't be. I don't know. Only the Father knows that. So Jesus is sitting there right beside the Father, and he's just, you know, he's just always antsy. He's ready to go. He's ready to go. Can I go get him now? No, it's not time. It's not time. Can I go get him now? No, it's not time. So it's, the Father's the only one who knows actually when he's going to send Jesus to come back and get us. Jesus doesn't even know. So the next time that you hear somebody predict of when it's going to happen, <laughs> they don't know what they're talking about. It's not that time. So you can bank that it's not going to be that time that they're predicting. I've seen that happen so many times. It's funny. This is what we call the rapture doctrine. And the rapture, the word's not mentioned in the Bible. It's a Latin word which means caught up. And we read that verse where it says we'll be caught up together. So what's happening at this point is God's going to look at Jesus and he's going to say, go get him. So what's going to happen first, the Bible says, is the dead in Christ will rise first. How cool would it be to be around a cemetery when this happens? So they'll rise first and then it will be us who are living. But it'll be in such a flash, in such a moment that we'll all be caught up with the Lord in the air and it's just going to be a big party in heaven, big wedding banquet. It's going to be a blast. And that's going to happen for seven years while the tribulation is happening here on earth. And there are differences of opinion, you know, that some people think that, you know, we're, we're, we're going to be here for some of the tribulation. Some people think that we're not. Um, here at Resurrection Life Church, we believe that we will not be here during the tribulation. Uh, that's, that, that's Pastor Dwayne's teaching. Um, I wholeheartedly buy into it. I don't think we're going to be here just because of what it says in Psalm 91. Moses, what he says in Psalm 91, you read that, and that's pretty much all the proof that you need. So, not going to go into that because we're going to go into that next week. That's going to be fun. But what I want to do is I want to hit the next verse in Thessalonians, um, 1 Thessalonians 4.18, where it says, Therefore, encourage one another with these words. So this is where we're going to have some fun tonight. So the rapture or the, the coming of the Lord to get us is not supposed to be used to scare people into salvation. 
kind of the old turn and burn way of salesmanship, which I don't recommend. It's the goodness of God that draws man to repentance. Remember we talked about that in the repentance to dead works. So you can't scare people into salvation. On the other side, you can't just get lazy and not do anything and be on a, what we call a rapture watch. Oh, the Lord's coming back any day. We'll just, we'll just sit back and wait on it. Neither one of those approaches is gonna help you have or experience any of the victory that Jesus died to give you in this life. So death for us is not the end. It's only the beginning. How cool is that? I was talking to somebody the other day and we were talking about fear. And you know, I, I think back on it, and maybe I'm just foolish, but I've never really been scared of death. You know, I love driving fast, I love race cars, I'm kind of an adrenaline junkie. I, I just don't, I'm not scared of death. Now, I, I am concerned about those who I'd leave behind, but at the same time, it's just like, bring it. Because it's the beginning of something greater. It's the beginning of eternity. It's the beginning of a place to where there's no struggle, there's no sorrow, there's no sin. It's perfect. But also the flip side of that coin is, how exciting is that for us to live this short life? This short little life that we have, the Bible says, is but a wisp of air. We don't get to fight in heaven. So we better enjoy the fight right now. The Bible calls the good fight of faith a good fight. So enjoy the struggle. Step into that arena to where God's already given you the, the victory. You get to dominate the flesh. You get to bring salvation to your soul. You get to learn God's magnificent and precious promises and participate with his divine nature right here. So I would say enjoy the fight. Wake up ready because you don't get to do that for eternity. See, might as well enjoy the short time that you have to do it here. David says, I'm confident of this, that I will taste the goodness of God in the land of the living. I will experience the goodness of God in the land of the living. As much as I'm looking forward to eternity, I look forward to each and every day to where I get to explore the wonder of what Christ did for me. That is so much fun and it's so rewarding. And then you get to bring other people along. You get to share that with other people. You share your stories. So there is resurrection power to be had right now in this life. Now our physical bodies are gonna die. There's no way around that. So I know what you're thinking. You're like, man, I'm, I'm encouraged now. I ain't gonna die. I'm just gonna live forever. Ain't gonna happen. You're gonna die. Just facing that fact, should encourage you to do everything that you can while you're here right now. Romans chapter eight, verse 10 says, and Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the spirit gives you life because you have been made right with God. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give you life. He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. Do you see how fun it can be to operate in resurrection power? The vision of Resurrection Life Church is that we exist to develop committed followers of Jesus Christ to reach the world. So our end result, our goal, the sole reason that we exist is to develop empowered believers. That's you and that's me. 
So what does it look like to live your daily life with the backdrop of resurrection power? What does it look like for you to be able to touch dead things in your life and cause them to come to life? What does that look like for you? Do you guys ever imagine that? So if I've got sickness that invades my body, no, it ain't staying. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, that mighty power that we talked about that he exerted, that power is in me. Sickness ain't staying in me. I'm not going to let it stay in, in, in people that I love and care about. You come up and ask me to pray for you, I'm going to have that same attitude. As you pray for each other and meet each other, be so bold as to believe that God makes all things possible, that you've got that same resurrection power just pumping through your veins, and it's ready. God is ready and eager to show off as soon as you're ready. So dare to believe. Dare to believe that God can make all things possible to those who believe. I'll share a quick story with you. So the year's 2009. No, it's 2007. Yeah, 2007. So my wife and I, we moved down to uh, South Carolina where I'm volunteering as a children's pastor and my wife is praise and worship leader. I go for about three months to where I don't have a job and I'm not sure exactly what job God wants to lead me into. So I'm driving to Atlanta, Georgia to interview for a job in pharmaceutical sales. I had, um, I had a desire that I wanted to go into that, into that field, I don't know why, and I'd gotten a couple of interviews, which was just straight up favor because in that profession, they want you to have a four-year degree in science um, or something medical. I didn't have that. But I got an interview at a company in Atlanta, Georgia, which was about a two-hour drive from where we lived in South Carolina. So I drove up there, the interview was great, but then when I left, all of a sudden the desire to be in pharmaceutical sales was just gone. I'm like, God, why'd you make me drive all the way out here? So I, I get out of the congested part of Atlanta, and I'm like, man, I gotta eat. And I stop at a Chick-fil-A, which we're getting some of those here, booyah. Chick-fil-A's are awesome. So I stop at a Chick-fil-A, um, I get my grub on, and I get back onto the road, and I'm just kind of praying and reflecting with God. And as I'm driving down I-20, I see kind of some grass being thrown up up the highway, so a truck is wrecking and it's flipping, right? Usually my protocol is I'll drive by an accident and I'll, I'll, I'll at least pray. You know, I don't want to get involved and mess with it. You know, I just, I'll pray. But God specifically directs me to stop. So I pull over, I stop, and this wreck had just happened. So by the time traffic clears, I run across my lane and I go into the median to where this truck is laying on its roof. This guy had been thrown out the back window of his truck. And he's like 75, 80 feet from his truck. A lady in the opposite lane, she happened to be a nurse, she stopped, pulled over, and she was taking measures to resuscitate him. So I kind of walked over there, and I'm like, God, why am I here? And I'm kind of looking around, and, you know, she's giving him CPR, and, you know, she kind of looks at me as if I'm someone special, and she's, like, spitting off all these medical terms I don't even understand, talking about radial pulse, this and that, and, like, he's dead, he's gone. So... I said, uh, you know, I don't know what you're going to do next, but I'm supposed to pray for this man. And she kind of looks at me like I just walked off a spaceship. I'm like, what are you talking about? So I'm praying in the spirit, and she's just looking at me like I'm an alien. So I get ready to go touch him, 
And I, I, I had the, the presence to say, you might want to let go of him and back up. You know, I just felt like God wanted to do something cool. So as I reached down and grabbed this man and told him to rise up, all of a sudden his eyes pop open. He goes for a deep breath and he just slings up like he was on springs. You know, he's looking around, he doesn't know where he's at. And as cool and as supernatural as that moment was, there were still some natural things going on. Like he spit this blood gob out that was just gross. You know, I'm thinking, how cool is that that this just happened? But at the same time, I'm like, dude, you got serious issues going on. So she immediately starts going to work on him. And by this time, the paramedics are getting there and you know, there's a fire truck that pulls up. So there's just people everywhere. And it's like, I'm invisible. I'm like waiting for somebody to ask me, hey, let me tell you what happened. Hey, ask me for a story. Ask me, give me the, let, me, let me tell the testimony of how God just raised this man from the dead. It's like, it's like I'm invisible. They didn't even see me. And then God speaks and says, okay, get in your car and go. I'm like, uh-uh. I mean, I got to tell. This is going to be on the news. This is awesome. And he says again, no, just, just get in your car and, and drive away. So as I'm kind of backing away, I'm like, am I going to get in trouble for just leaving? I mean, I should, I should give a report. And God's like, go, get in your car and drive. I mean, it was like God gets real firm with you when you don't listen. So I back out of there as I'm leaving, you know, the helic, the, 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 what do you call it, Ben? Yeah, so he comes in and flies in, they're, they're picking him up. So I, I leave and I, I drive back home. And I'm calling my wife as I'm driving back home, and I'm like, you're not going to believe what just happened. Why do, I give, why do I tell that story? As crazy as it is, do you know how eager God is to use us? If you only knew how eager God was to use you, to use you, to use you, to use every one of you in here, if you only knew how eager he is to show off. The Bible says that his eyes are roaming the earth, right? He's scanning. He's looking for someone to dare to believe what he said is true and to walk in resurrection power so he can show off his might. What does that do to you right now? Like really, does it give you a little bit of excitement to go to work tomorrow? or maybe even just to go home tonight. It gives you a whole new lease on life if you truly believe it. In 1 Corinthians 15, we'll wrap it up with this. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. I'm telling you to read this, this chapter, but I want to read the last verse. Therefore, my dear brothers, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord. I'm going to read that part again. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Listen, we got to live with a sense of urgency. We got to maximize these days. We're only given so many of them. We act like we're living in eternity right now, like life's just going to last forever. And I know I'm preaching to the choir for those of you who are getting up there in years. You get it. It's us young people who need you to show us how passionate you are as your days are getting less numerous. There's a, there's, a, there's a whole generation of young people out there who don't come to church because they're waiting to see your passion. So those of you who are seasoned in your faith and up there in years, I'm here to tell you, if you buy into resurrection power, your best is yet to come. Your latter years will be greater than your former years. There's people that are looking for you to lead the way. So you older people, rise up. 
Accept the call that God is putting on your life and walk in it. Because people out there, the world out there is desperate to see something real. And you are the perfect examples to do it. And the young people will follow your lead. We need to live with passion and excitement and dare to believe that what God says is true. We gotta stop begging God to use us. It doesn't do anything. What does begging God ever get? Does that ever get us anywhere? We gotta understand that God is so willing and ready and eager to use us that it's, it causes us to respond and to spring into action with a little pep in our step. Resurrection power. So next week we're gonna talk about what happens on the other side of eternity. But for now, let's be encouraged and empowered for what we're gonna do now. How many people are we gonna take with us? How many people are we gonna free from the clutches of the enemy and take them into eternity with us? If you would bow your heads, please. I wanna to talk to those of you who may be here tonight that you're plunging into eternity on the wrong side. But more importantly, you're missing out on experiencing the finished work of the cross today, right now. There's an abundance. There's a love. God wants to show you himself in a powerful way. And his spirit wants to disclose to you who you are in Christ. And it's just breathtaking. If that's you and you want to know Jesus tonight, I'm going to count to three. When I get to three, I want you to raise your hand, just throw it up in the air, and you're going to experience new life tonight. You're going to know that your future is secure. Right now, you're going to be so empowered to live this life that we call Christians, and everything is going to be new for you. One, you're saying, I'm tired of living life on my own. I'm tired of being overcome by my sin, my problems, my frustrations. I'm tired of sensing that there's always something more and I'm tired of numbing that feeling. I wanna meet Jesus. I wanna know him. I wanna follow him. I wanna know that my sins are forgiven and I wanna know that I'm a part of God's family too. What you're saying is, I'm accepting his sacrifice. I'm believing that God raised him from the dead and I'm ready to walk in this newness of life. And I'm ready to experience it in a mighty way. Three, if that's you, raise your hand. If that's you tonight and you need Jesus, raise your hand. Beautiful. That's awesome, everybody here is a believer. That's good stuff. Come on, say another prayer of you to just empower you tonight. Father God, I thank you that your children here tonight God, are so empowered by your fullness, your goodness, and your intentions for them. God, that they realize that they are mighty in your hand, and that you are so eager to use them and to show off in their lives. I thank you, Lord, that they leave tonight empowered and curious. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you that no obstacle, nothing can stop them, Lord. I thank you that they're going to do your work. They're going to go forth in Jesus' name.